Mini episode 1507 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1507. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with you. And uh, we teach this out in the previous segment that we did. Myself and our Sports Central football writer, Fran Steckberry, also a member of our FDH Lounge family of dignitaries here. We teased this out that uh, after we did our 2022 college football preview, as we did in 1506, the next one was going to be taking a big picture look at the landscape. This really seems kind of necessary, almost to repeat on an annual basis. Uh, we did this last year. We looked at changes in the landscape. Last year was the start of NIL. We now have the continuing evolution of NIL. But beyond that, the earthquake that happened in terms of realignment back in, I believe it was June, when USC and UCLA departed the Pac-12 for the Big Ten, set to start in a couple of seasons here. And then the reverberations that came from there, uh, the, the Pac-12 and the Big 12, would one end up being able to raid the other? Would they merge? What would end up happening here? How does the ACC factor into this with uh, everybody there seemingly being locked in by the land grant deal until, or the grant of rights, I should say, until 2036? And then uh, I'm very, very glad that we put off talking about this uh, until right now because I think any discussion we had would have been incomplete without taking into account the next Big Ten TV contract. And we had something happen there, the ramifications of which I think could set the entire paradigm for the landscape of in the 2020s and the 2030s. And instead of making it something that's completely different, such as the SEC and the Big Ten defecting to sort of form their own new elite level of college football, the fact that ESPN slash ABC is going to be completely out of the, the new Big Ten deal when it gets done, I think we are going to be closer to the landscape we have now with changes around the margins than anybody would have believed even 60 days ago. Again, there could still be developments in either direction here that might cause me to change my mind, but uh, so many things happening, Fran. Every summer we get into this, this is when, uh, you know, sort of on the eve of media days for these conferences here, right? It's when all these big developments about the future start happening. And we had we saw it again this summer. For whatever reason, they kind of wait till summer for these things to happen. And uh, a landscape that uh, is just very, very weird to a lot of people. USC and UCLA in the Big Ten, and possibly more to come from the Western sphere of the country. Well, it's kind of funny. I mean, I mean, a couple of years ago with Oklahoma, Texas, and now USC, UCLA, and Rick Dunn, there was no links. I mean, what's going on? I mean, none of the links, these links happen. The rest of this, I mean, all the links, we find out things before they happen. And in college football, no links, Rick. Well, 
Well, yeah. And in looking at this, it's a thing where a lot of people expected Oregon and Washington possibly to follow from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten, but the sense that they might not be wanted because cutting them into the new TV deal might cost more than it would gain as far as bringing those markets in, uh, even Oregon with all of the Nike money. That Stanford, with their ability to bring the academic respectability, uh, the natural rivalry with Notre Dame, the possibility of bringing them in together, that might potentially be a draw. But that's what it all kind of comes down to here is you're going to have to prove to the Big Ten that you're going to bring in more than you are going to cost them. Uh, and that's where uh, it, it's going to be very iffy. Like, they'd love to have Notre Dame, but Notre Dame is now making noises that, well, if they're on NBC, then this allows us to have the kind of collaboration promotionally with the Big Ten without joining them. And they might have a point to that because, you know, Big Ten games are going to be promoted on uh, Notre Dame TV games and vice versa. So you're going to have some co-promotion there. Uh, but that's not the same as joining a conference. So you're, you're looking at these things coming into play, and it goes to show you, I don't think I could possibly remark on this enough times uh, because it just goes to put everything into perspective. Even when you talk about all the money from college basketball, and it seems like the lion's share of that comes from March Madness, it is still dwarfed by what gets brought in by college football. Because if being one of the predominant teams in college basketball mattered to any kind of real degree, Kansas, a perennial power, and oh, by the way, the defending national champions, they would be in demand by the SEC and the Big Ten, and it doesn't seem like uh, either one of them is going to go scoop them up. If the basketball was important, Connecticut would have been more of a conference. Well, yeah, and I do believe this, though. I do believe that college basketball is important enough that I was dubious about the whole SEC Big Ten forming their own level, like a new level in college uh, football, and the championship game would be exclusively between those schools because nobody else was going to collaborate with them basketball-wise. It would be the death of March Madness if these schools defected to form a new division for football. There'd be no percentage then in that happening. So when, when I talk about this new landscape that I'm expecting to see, again, I'm not sure that the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are both going to survive this. It might just end up being one of them uh, being the case. Uh, the, the ACC, who knows, because that grant of rights, uh, that is worth more than gold to them because it's keeping uh, Clemson, glued to them, Miami, Florida State, and those are schools that the SEC would love to pick off. Can you even imagine what the SEC would look like if you put those teams in the bundle here? So it looks like these other conferences are going to stick around long enough to where I think, and this is made from a negotiating posture, this is brilliant, right? Because the SEC and the Big Ten were going to have a hard time selling the other schools on a 12-team playoff that would have granted uh, again, automatic entry to it to every one of there were the major fi uh, conference winners, uh, the next five, the mid-majors, and then everything after that, a wild card. And every the other conferences are like, well, it's all going to be SEC and whatever degree Big Ten. But right now, that deal probably sounds a whole lot better because it's better than the SEC and the Big Ten peeling off by themselves 
creating all the money in their own new Super League that's a, an alignment of the two conferences and cutting everybody else out of it. From a negotiating posture, what was impossible for them to swallow 90 days ago looks a hell of a lot better now, I think. But you team jumping, they're going to have to split, expand the playing field because there's going to be too many, there's too many good teams that are not going to be able to ever get an opportunity to compete for a championship, right? Yeah, and in looking at this here, there have been some curious negotiating decisions that I think certain entities might love to have back because the SEC, they're going to end up paying, as I understand it, more for the number two Big Ten game of the week because the number one game is going to stay at noon on Fox, and I guess the number three game will be in prime time with NBC. That's where it's so much better with Big Ten expansion because even the number three game every week is still going to be worth something, and the number two game certainly as well. I think they're paying more for that than they were paying for the SEC, and then they would have continued to be paying for the SEC here. So uh, CBS was a little bit desperate after getting shut out of the SEC. Uh, but for ESPN now, for all this notion that, oh, ESPN and Fox, the major conferences, they're pulling the strings on all of this kind of stuff. Clearly, ESPN didn't have any designs on owning the whole thing, because if they had gotten, if they'd kept even the, the rights that they had to Big Ten stuff, even though they were somewhat of a secondary partner behind Fox, but if they'd kept any skin in the game at all with the Big Ten and owning the whole kit and caboodle now with the SEC, they would have been in prime position there. Granted, a college football playoff contract would have come separately, but as far as pushing those two conferences in a room to form their own new super level of college football, ESPN would have been in pole position. Uh, so right now, they're not going to be in that kind of a position here. It, it's going to be a thing where they're going to have to keep sharing the landscape with all these other entities, and the cynic in me is just waiting to see how much they're going to bury Big Ten coverage on ESPN. I think you're going to be looking at like the last five minutes on SportsCenter if you want to find out what happened in the Ohio State-Michigan game. Also, Rick, uh, keep in mind, uh, I don't see college game day going to Big Ten cities that much anytime uh, with, no, with, no, with no skin in the game for ESPN because ESPN tends to, they, they tend to try to have game day at a game, at a game that they don't want. I'd say about 80% of the time they do that, except for the you know SEC game they get, which they'll be getting soon too, so. It's going to be so weird, so completely weird with Herb Street and Fowler because it's going to be similar to, if you remember when Fox carried the uh, national championship game, but they really didn't carry much during the regular season. That was like the one time all year, you know, where you'd see these guys trot it out. Or even if you want to go back further, like the Rose Bowl on NBC back in like the 70s and 80s, where that would be like the one time a year. I think they would use NFL broadcast teams to put on the Rose Bowl, like, you're going to be seeing Herb Street and Fowler calling games in the national semifinals and finals against teams that they they might have called one or two of their games during the year, depending on non-conference game, but where Herb Street and Fowler, uh, again, assuming that ESPN retains the rights to the semifinals and finals past, I think, 2026, but it's going to just be an interesting thing here. Seeing ESPN cut completely out of the, what is by far the number two conference in America behind the SEC with a very large gulp, a gulf down from two to three. It's just going to be weird that they're going to be so detached from that. Well, Gus Johnson, I love the enthusiasm. Imagine he's going to, he's going to be even more spotlight on the games on Fox. 
it'll be interesting to see who does the games for NBC. I mean, is Jason Garrett all of a sudden going to be doing more college football? I mean, he, he did a good job in the USFL. He, he, he's going to be doing some NFL stuff this year for, you know, Sunday night games. But uh, you want Jason Garrett breaking down games, college football games, you Rick? I don't know. I mean, they did reach some kind of emeritus deal a couple months ago. I don't think anybody was thinking of this but with Al Michaels. Keep him around for some kind of events. Like, they more or less shoved him into retirement with Sunday Night Football, so we're giving it to Tarico now. But for Michaels to basically, I guess, MC events like he used to at ABC, like sometimes he would be the host for the Kentucky Derby or the uh, Stanley Cup Finals or whatever, so... My understanding is that's what Michaels is going to be there to do is just to kind of MC a few things here and there. But uh, if, if you saw him actually calling uh, college football games on Saturday night, that would be a twist nobody saw coming. This whole merry-go-round of uh, NFL broadcasters uh, from uh, the last 12 months or so here, where the different guys are shaking out in different places. Uh, it could be somebody getting plucked off of uh, the NFL tree on one of the other networks. Maybe one of the uh, college football guys from uh, ESPN ends up following uh, the Big Ten over to uh, NBC. That one is going to be fascinating as well. Presumably, you're going to see uh, Nestler and Danielson on uh, the Big Ten games, which is going to be fascinating. I already saw it the other day on Twitter. Somebody already put together a montage of, of, of uh, Big Ten football using the SEC on CBS theme. Like, I'd like to see them keep it. It, it might seem kind of jarring to see it put to the Big Ten highlights, but uh, I hope they keep the SEC theme, even if it pisses off people in the South. You might as well, Rick, because, because, you know, because, you know, as we say, people like traditions. They do. They do. And it's it's a tradition to use the music, but it's been a tradition to use the music for something completely different uh, for the last, what, 30 years or so, however long that they've been in the mix. I, longer than that, I guess. But, and uh, that's why I'm going to be doing a big time because they're going to, college KJs going to be doing stuff. Um, I mean, uh, college football wives going to be, I, I mean, I don't think they're going to be completely ignoring the Big Ten completely. It's just going to be more of an after, like, you know, like, oh, you know, we'll break it down. Like, when they when they reveal their weekly college football rankings, that'll be, that'll be uh, you know, when they, you know, when they break that down. So it won't be especially with Joey Galloway, Ohio State. He's not doing the Big Ten well, yeah. playing from Ohio State. That's true. That's true. Seeing how that shakes out is going to be fascinating. And, uh, again, and as you had brought up during our previous segment as well, uh, this NIL stuff, I mean, year over year, seeing this thing evolve, we're still in the early days of this thing. We're still very early on as far as seeing what it's going to evolve into. And they seem to have this ridiculous sort of uh, separation here. They seem to be doing the church and state kind of thing of like, oh, well, you can't be compensated to play at a program or Actual boosters can't be involved in this, which is redamned onculus because, of course, uh, people are greasing the wheels to get you to play at certain schools with the NIL money. That's already happening. So you're going to see the NCAA have to continue to evolve on that front and get out of this whole ridiculous thing uh, of uh, NIL being detached from where guys are playing 
and at what programs and, and everything like that. So the role of this thing, seeing it evolve in ways that I don't think we can even fully anticipate even a year or two down the road, much less five or 10 years, uh, that's the big wild card in all of this, Fran. I think you've correctly identified it. Well, it's funny because, um, you know, Tommy Tuffman is now, you know, um, you know, uh, you know uh, now, uh, you know, working for the country, you know, I think, uh, Senator in yes. Alabama. He wants to regulate this. Good luck with that. I mean, that's, I mean, uh, it's nice, it's a nice idea, but you think, 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 studies Tommy Tuberville's voting record, I would just say that like his, his views on government regulation uh, are, are not exactly consistent if he's saying that it should be there at the college football level. But uh, yeah, this is going to continue to evolve in different ways. And uh, there are some uh, different indications at different schools here of, of how things are going. I mean, Ryan Day has said at Ohio State, he, he set a benchmark number somewhere in the millions of dollars. Like, we need to have such and such amount of money. And it was, I, it was a ridiculous amount. I don't remember how much. But he might be right, though, as far as how much it's going to take to keep them competitive. So as far as the schools that are the giants of the game right now, keeping and maintaining that level uh, might be contingent on what you can raise. And uh, it might be a part for uh, room for, for some other schools to step up here. Uh, and that's a thing where, and I, I can't necessarily think of too many that aren't traditional powers off the top of my head that could be able to benefit. But I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just throw this one out there for a school that has been fitfully trying to become the national power again that they were uh, under Don James, Washington. They have made the college football playoff exactly once. Uh, over this period of time and have been struggling to reestablish themselves as a power year in and year out. All I know is you got a whole bunch of big time tech companies up there uh, in the Seattle area, aerospace, everything like that. Imagine if I don't know how many Washington alums you have in the bunch there, because a lot of those people maybe went to fancier schools. But, it, you know, in a market like Seattle, just think if enough of those people put some money together for any kind of a budget. That would be a very, very interesting test case, right? If, if they managed to come up with something where they could really allure some top athletes there beyond what they would get normally otherwise as far as recruiting star power. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that's, that's, that's a place that you can, I mean, we start the more out of Chris Peterson. I, I, I love the boy Steve. I thought he was up more at Washington, honestly. And, and I want to get back on that, but I guess the only benefit for, you know, is now we have a video game. People love playing EA Sports college football games. Not that the NFL games ain't good, but that's not a story. Well, exactly. And for anybody that was uh, PO'd that there wasn't one for all those years, send your hate mail to Ed O'Bannon because uh, he decided to make up all that money that he didn't make in the pros by suing the NCAA, which is one of the things that kind of started us down this path 
of players getting paid officially as opposed to the $50 handshakes and the things like that that used to exist at different programs. So, yeah, it is a wild, wild west kind of a deal right now. The NCAA kind of hilariously thinking that they can monitor this in any kind of a way. So you have that playing out against the backdrop of, like we've been saying, you know, the conference realignments that are coming, probably still some major shoes to drop next summer and perhaps even the summer beyond that. Uh, but the, the Big Ten TV deal, that was a huge domino in all of this. And again, uh, you and I both seem to agree on this that it probably locks us into a greater degree of continuity. I mean, continuity is not a word I would use for a landscape that's going to see USC and UCLA come to the Big Ten. I mean, things are going to be different. But this whole notion here that we were hearing 60 days ago, oh, it's going to be like the AFC and the NFC, and everything else is going to be like lower levels of soccer in England. Like, that's not the case. I mean, those are, those are going to be the two dominant conferences but the notion that they won't be in a playoff field with schools from the other conferences, I think that's completely out the door at this point here. So I think the next version of this, even with a 12-team playoff, I think still looks more like what we have now than we would have thought 60 to 90 days ago when completely, completely radical change looked like it was on the table. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have a mix of teams. We're going to have... We're probably gonna have to have one 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 team in group of five at least to you know you know get that get the opportunity to, to compete in the playoffs. Uh, it makes no sense for the group of five teams to to have their own championship. I mean, I mean from a, from a TV from a football fan standpoint, people would watch, but they won't go that way. Well, exactly, and that's where uh, again you just devalue yourself if you end up doing that. Uh, people want to see programs competing at the highest level. And it looks like you're going to continue to have them in there. And then uh, essentially, again, I think there's between the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12, I think there's only room for two of those conferences, maybe even one with some of those schools getting squeezed out down to the group of five. You might end up seeing something like that. Uh, but uh, again, not everyone's going to survive in the long term. The ACC, with the grant of rights and the TV deal they have, Look, they may be able to keep the status quo going for another 10 or 12 years, but everything expires. Their biggest programs are going to be too big for them to keep long term. Uh, the Big 12, I mean, they already lost Oklahoma and Texas. The Pac-12 has already lost USC and UCLA. So uh, as far as the ones that uh, could go for greener pastures, again, potentially there's still Stanford. Potentially there's still one or two other programs here in the Big 12 or Pac-12. Again, they got their biggest schools in a death block for right now. So the change may slow down over the next year or two, but we might have been able to say the same thing a year or so ago here. And uh, we, we saw a summer of some big changes here this year, uh, Fran. So, uh, well, the, the point is, Rick, there's, there's a minor lease. I mean, that's the thing. There's something that works now that we, that we don't know about. And we'll say one thing. Pac-12 does have a little bit of leverage as far as like people, like people on the East Coast like watching late night football. So I mean, even with USC and UCLA leaving, um, you know, people, you know, Pac-12. I mean, in the, in the next TV deal, you know, I mean, they can you know, have some ten thirty games on the, uh, you know, uh, you know, for East Coast fans to watch or late night games for the for the for the, top, for the uh, cable networks to watch is of some value. How much? Means we see, but I think you know it, it, it definitely it definitely will help them with the TV contract. But let's talk about the Pac-12 network. That's good. 
that's probably going to be obsolete. I mean, that that that, that thing formed a, and it's and it's got no penetration. It's probably going to be gone sooner than later. I think so as well. And there's something you and I talked about off air, and what that is is that the number of games, especially with the Big Ten expansion and coinciding with leaving ESPN, because you would always have the spillover there of uh, ESPN2 would absorb some of the games, maybe ESPNU would have, or, or ESPN3, all things being equal. But you're looking at a circumstance where three games a week are guaranteed, Fox at noon, CBS at 3.30, NBC in prime time. And then that leaves you a whole lot of other games left, particularly early in the season when so few of the teams are playing each other. It's predominantly non-conference. You've got a buttload of games that are left at that point. So there's going to be some form of streaming involved in this. This we know. Uh, again, you might have a spillover game or two on FS1. You might have it uh, perhaps on the USA Network. It would have been NBCSN before, but they're gonzo. So you're, you've got beyond that. You're either going to see Fox or Paramount Plus stepping up here. I don't see Fox paying extra games for Tubi, or, and you were dreading this when we were talking off air, could be Apple Plus or could be Amazon, the same way that uh, it looks like one of those entities or ESPN Plus is going to get their hooks, the NFL Sunday ticket. They're going to be hot for this whole Big Ten spillover package here. Of course, the Big Ten network is still going to get a game or two. They're probably going to get more games than ever. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to do like a triple header every Saturday as well as any of their other games at any times during the week. But somebody streaming is going to get involved in a big-time kind of a way, and that's going to make even more money here. They're just looking at the money that's involved for the three networks for those three games there. You factor the rest of the inventory into Fran, Fran and it's it's going to be just unspeakably gigantic. And, and it's funny, Rick, because, I mean, um, with, with these downwards, uh, uh, I mean, that's definitely the case. But I also see what happens. I, I definitely see any time he's a big game of the week, you're going to see these ancillary networks get the, um, you know, other behind the scenes, like, you know, like, like the coaches or different cameras. And they're going to have, they're going to have, these networks are going to move gangbusters when other networks are giving other types of things. I mean, one thing I, I, I used to love watching was ESPN Gold Line, but now they, ESPN stopped that because they want, they want people to, you know, to watch their games and not that, that channel. Exactly. And that uh, that channel would get a lot less traction in this climate anyways with them losing the Big Ten games here. Uh, that uh, ESPN is going to be cut out of a significant portion of the college football world at a point in time when the Big Ten is separating itself onto another tier with the SEC to be completely shut out of it. A very un-ESPN move uh, to let themselves get shut out of something so big. Um, you know, college football um, pre pregame show getting any traction on ESPN College Game Day. You know, it possibly might. It very well might. And uh, again, particularly if a uh, college game day ends up in some sort of second tier places that they might not have been in previously, that is entirely possible. Because uh, you know, yeah, again, they're going to be just you know giving favoritism to their part of the climate, and they're going to be shut out of you know, again, as we keep saying such a decent chunk of the college football landscape outside of the intersectional games where Big Ten schools are on the road. Then they'll swoop in and they'll cover those games. But as far as them being in Columbus or Ann Arbor or uh, State College or places like that, it, it's going to be very, very rare for that ever to be the case anymore. So, yeah, just... And, and, and plus, Greg, I think it's really close. Like, 
sort of links in the thread there. And uh, so, yeah, it will be... And Rick, uh, and Rick, and Rick, and Rick, first college was Ohio State. It was, it was. And so I will be uh, trying to check that out. I assume they are going to be... Uh, well, actually, no, they may not be in uh, Columbus uh, Labor Day weekend. And it will depend. Maybe they'll be there, or maybe they'll be in Atlanta for the uh, Georgia-Oregon game. But uh, that that's the whole thing here, too, in, in the years ahead of wondering which games are going to be uh, where and you know what kind of coverage uh, the different networks are going to bring to things. So uh, a lot of interesting uh, changes, uh, Fran, and that's where uh, you know you go back to. Uh, and I know you'll like this: uh, the Sting promo from Fall of '96 uh, about joining the NWO. The only thing that's for certain is nothing is for certain. I'm botching the promo here, but that's what college football feels like. Feels like there are no solid answers as far as the exact shape of things. That's right. That's right. It's the world of pro wrestling that kind of gives us an analog for what's coming here. All the unpredictability of the landscape, and uh, we, we seem to be referencing the Monday Night Wars period here, which seems very apropos for college football, the way that it's unfolding here. It's the Saturday night and afternoon wars. And uh, we'll see how it unfolds. But uh, nobody better to break it down with than Fran Stuckery of our Sports Central. Fran, thank you so much for making time for us today. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it, Fran. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for checking out FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1507.